Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And what we've been talking about recently is the Word of Faith. We've been talking about how you can have what you say, or what you say is what you get. In this life, we face many difficult situations. We face all kinds of adversities. But we are not supposed to be looking at the things that pull us down. We are supposed to be looking to God. We are supposed to be looking to how big He is and acknowledging just how big He is and what He has done for us through redemption. God wants us to maintain that spiritual focus and then line ourselves up with Him by thinking right, believing right, speaking right, so that we can have right and good things. And you know, the Bible says in Job, in the Amplified Bible, it says that if we would acquaint ourselves with Him and line ourselves up and agree with Him and do His will, good things would come to us in this life. How many of you want good things to come to you in life? I know that I do. Amen. Don't you? And that's how you can have good things come to you in life. Numbers 13, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name for your holy written word. And as we study it together, we thank you for the Holy Ghost to teach us, to lead us, and to guide us into all that is true. And Father God, for all that takes place in this service tonight, we'll give you the glory and honor and blessing because you're rightfully deserving of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, in Numbers 13, we're going to look to that in a minute, but let me just reiterate a few points that we've already made. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus, did you ever hear Him? Good teacher. One of the best there ever was and ever is and ever will be. Amen. He taught in Mark 11:22, saying, have the faith of God. He said that people can have the faith of God. And the faith of God was defined or revealed to us in Mark 11:23. That says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say... Now, I'm just going to abbreviate it, if I may. Shall say, and doubt not in his heart, but shall believe that what he says will come to pass, he will have what he says. Did you get that? Whosoever shall say, and doubt not in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that what he says will come to pass, he will have what he says. And to show you a proof text that that statement of Jesus is true, although we don't really need any, because if Jesus said it, it has to be so. Amen? Amen. We saw in Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood. She was sick for many years, 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, her whole life savings, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched His garment, for she said... For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now that woman in verse 28, Mark 5, 28, said, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And in verse 34, Jesus said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What did she get? She got what she said. She said, if I may but touch his garment, I will be whole. And Jesus said that was her faith. 
You see, beloved, what we say is our faith speaking. We can have faith in the right thing. We can have faith in the wrong thing. But what we say is our faith speaking. As a matter of fact, faith is released in word and action. Faith is released in word and in action. She said it, and then she acted upon what she said, and she experienced it. She got exactly what she said. And then we went, and we talked about David and Goliath. Goliath was defying the armies of the living God for some 40 days. He was spewing out words against the people of God. He was bragging on himself and on his abilities to be a a mighty warrior. And he challenged the armies of Israel. No one would meet the challenge in the camp of Israel. Even Saul the king, who was head and shoulders above all the other men, would not go out and fight Goliath so that the Israelites would be victorious over the enemy. But then David came along, a 17-year-old boy, and he heard what was going on. All he was doing was bringing a lunch to his brothers. He heard what was going on, and he was appalled at what he heard. He couldn't believe what his ears were hearing. Now, all these people were there skilled in warfare, trained and well-developed, and also conditioned to fight in battle. But yet not one of them would go out and fight against Goliath because he was anywhere from 9 to 11 feet tall. And so they were afraid of him. But David, when he heard those words, said, David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now I want you to notice, here's a 17-year-old boy who had a fair countenance, ruddy, was not schooled or taught or trained in battle or warfare, And he doesn't even look at the size of Goliath. What he sees is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, he's got no covenant with God. He's got no right to, to expect the living God to help him. He's outside of the camp of God. So who is he to spew out these words against the armies of the living God? And he said... And it goes on to say, he said what he would do to overcome Goliath. And they all thought he was either crazy or mad or whatever. They rehearsed what he said to Saul, and Saul couldn't believe his ears. But he said, well, just go ahead and the Lord be with you. When Saul challenged him, he said, look, the God that I serve, he delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. When they came and took a lamb... The sheep out of the flock that I was watching, I chased after him. I got the, the, the lamb back. And when they turned on me to pursue me, I killed them, praise God, by the power of my God. He wasn't looking at the size of the bear or the size of the lion. What was he looking at? He was looking at the size of his God. And the size of his God was bigger than what he faced in life. And he said, this Goliath will fall the same way the lion and the bear did. And so I say, he started to say what he believed he would do by the power of God to Goliath. And if you read the story there, you'll discover that he, did, he got exactly what he said. And so what did David get? He got what he said. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'm not coming against you with a sword or, or a spear. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He wasn't looking at his own skills. He wasn't looking at his own stature. He wasn't looking at his own ability. He was looking at God. He knew that the greater one was on his side. And so he proclaimed it 
And those words were faith-filled words. You want to know how to put God to work for you? Start speaking right things. And God will go to work on your behalf. And then we went and got a third witness over here in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, we see that what we say, we get both positive and negative. Here in the book of Numbers, I'll just give you the setting once again. The Israelites were told to go into Canaan's land. God already instructed them along the way. And they sent 12 spies to spy out the land. One leader of every tribe of Israel. Of all the different 12 tribes, a leader went out from among them. They went into the land, and they spied out the land, and they saw the fruit of it. And they said, indeed, just as God said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But the people that dwell in the land are much stronger than we are. That's what they said. They're much stronger than we are. Now, let's pick it up at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said... Notice Caleb said, Numbers 13.30, He said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. In other words, he wasn't looking at the size of the people. He wasn't looking at the circumstances. He wasn't walking by sight. He was walking by faith. And what he believed in his heart. Well, what did he believe in his heart? We're well able to take the land. We're well able to possess it. God's on our side. We can do it. We're not just able. We are well able. And what did Caleb get? We said as we went through this whole thing that Caleb got what he said. Caleb was one of the two spies of the whole twelve that went out that actually possessed the land. The other ones died by the plague before the Lord. They died because they brought up an evil report against the land. And what is an evil report? An evil report is not that they cursed God. We know that would be evil. It wasn't that they came back cussing and cursing and saying all kinds of dirty things, you know. We know that would be wrong. It was that they came back and they spoke doubt and unbelief. And as a result of their doubt and unbelief, The Bible says they gave an evil report. They said evil things. Well, I want us to see tonight that that wasn't something that just happened on one occasion in these people's lives. But to once again summarize it, those ten caused the hearts of the people to melt. And as a result of their words, the people were discouraged and they refused to believe God. And God was sore displeased with them and they died because of their improper leadership. Their words were wrong words. And the book of Numbers in chapter 14 says that God said, As you have spoken in my ears, so shall it be to you. In other words, you, keep, you said you couldn't do it. You said you're not able. You said they're bigger than you are. You said we're going to die in the wilderness. And so they got exactly what they said. To summarize it, they got what they said. Exactly what they said. Now, Caleb said we can, and he did. And these others said they couldn't, and they didn't. What defeated them? The devil? No, he's not big enough. What defeated them? The giants of Anak? No, they're not big enough. What defeated them? Their words. Their belief. You know you can have faith in the wrong thing? They had faith in their inability. 
They had faith in their small stature. Can you see that? They believed in the wrong thing. And as a result of their believing in the wrong thing, they got the wrong thing. But they spoke it right into being. And didn't Jesus say over there in Mark 11 that if you say it and don't doubt it, you'll get what you say? Well, look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able. Caleb said, We are well able. They said, We be not able. Now, hold on. Same circumstance, same God, same setting, same everything. What, dif- what differs here? The belief and the confession of the people. Some were walking by sight. Some were walking by faith. The majority was walking by sight. The minority, they were walking by faith. What a lesson right there. We cannot always go by what we see. We can always walk by how it appears. As a matter of fact, there's a verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 that tells us, While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that were not seen. That are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change, and things that are not seen, they're not, they're eternal. They're not subject to change. I want you to see this clearly. These people over the years, over, over time, were not schooled into looking at spiritual things. They were not taught to look at spiritual things. They made no effort, they expended no energy to learn how to see things that are not seen. And as a result, when it finally came time for them to gain entrance into the full blessings of God, they fell short. Someone might say, well, wasn't God mean just for that one time to disallow their entrance? No, it wasn't just one time. It was not just one time. This was a condition and an attitude that existed inside these people's lives, their hearts and their minds, that they would never change. And God knew it. God knew it. He gave every opportunity. He gave them time and time again to correct their way of thinking, believing, and speaking. And they did nothing to make those corrections. And finally, when they were right there before the promised land, they totally lost out with God because, once again, it proved to be true. As man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We can't do it. Just can't do it. I don't want to be like those people, do you? I, want to be, I don't want to be a leader like that, do you? I want to be like a Joshua and a Caleb. And you see, Joshua and Caleb were different in this regard or respect. What they did was, they didn't look at the circumstance. They continued to focus on their God. They kept before their minds and their spiritual mind's eye... Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If God be for us, who could be against us? If the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the universe, the creator of all mankind is on our side, how big really are those giants? Those giants are nothing but little ants compared to our God. So we're well able. Let's go take the land. 
And that's what they spoke out and said. They didn't view the fact that the enemy was much bigger and stronger than they. They viewed the fact that their God was much bigger than the enemy. Do you see your God that way tonight? If we do, then we'll start saying the right thing. Can I say something tonight to all of us? God's bigger than our problem. And unless we start seeing Him bigger than our problem and start saying that He's bigger than a problem, we're going to end up and wind up just like these Israelites wandering through life in the wilderness for many years. And finally, falling short of the full blessings of God. Let us all take heed so that we do not follow their example of unbelief. And the book of Hebrews tells us not to do what they did. Now, I want to expound on this a little bit more because I believe there's some more in this that we need to understand. Go on back to the book of Exodus, if you would, please. Exodus. And let's take a look at chapter 23. I want to show us tonight that these people... made a habit out of walking by sight. They habitually were bound by their five senses. And you know it's hard to break certain habits that we have in life. Just try saying the right thing all the time. You'll find out that it's hard to say the right thing all the time. It's not an easy thing to do, but yet we've got to do it. If we want to get anywhere in God, we've got to do it. Amen? Now, when they came out of Egypt... Over to the other side of the Red Sea, they sang and danced before the Lord, right? But the moment they had need of water or food, what did they do? I don't think that Miriam caught her breath from her dance. She was still panting over there on the side, catching her breath. When they started their murmuring and their complaining, why did God bring us out here? Spewing out words. Why did God bring us out here? We're going to die. There's no food to eat. We're going to die. There's no bread. There's no water to drink. We're going to die. Our children are going to die. Our wives are going to die. What did God? We were in Egypt. You see how they were programmed? On one occasion, God worked a miracle for them to have water. On another occasion, God worked a miracle for them to do what? To eat. On another occasion, God gave them warmth by night. God gave them protection from the sun by day. I mean, God caused their clothing to grow upon their backs. He caused their shoes to grow upon their feet. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? There were no drugstores. There was no five and ten cent store. There was no Kmart. No TJ Maxx. No corner mall. Mall in the wilderness. It didn't exist. They couldn't buy those things. And so God caused those things to take place miraculously. They saw the miracles of God time and time again. And after every miracle, they complained. After every miracle, they murmured. How quick can we forget God? How soon do we forget the greatness and the bigness of our God? How big God is. 
I mean, a miracle happens yesterday, but today has a, a brand new day with, with new challenges. And all of a sudden, it's, what am I going to do now? I mean, God is saying, how much do I have to do to get you to start thinking and believing and speaking right? And He couldn't get them to do that. I want you to see it right here. Look at what their faith should have been based on. In Exodus 23 and verse 20, Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. God has already revealed Himself as Jehovah Rapha, their great physician, as Jehovah Jireh, their great healer, or their, their, their provider. He would provide all that they needed. He was their peace of mind. He was their hiding place and refuge. In other words, God was the El Shaddai to them, the God of plenty, who was more than enough to provide whatever they needed in that wilderness until they got into the full promises of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Why is this so important to us? Because we've all been delivered from Egypt, beloved. We've all come out of darkness. We're all born again. And you know what? Don't be satisfied with where you're at in God. There's a promise that God has made to all of us. And that is the full blessings of the gospel of Christ are ours. But the only way to get in is through faith. Make note of that. The just shall live by faith. The only way into the full blessings of God is by way of faith. Now, God didn't leave them helpless. God didn't leave them defenseless. He said, Behold, I send an angel before you. Make note of this. Your words, your words can either commission, unleash, or release angels on your behalf, or your words will cause them to be ineffective in helping you through life's fight. Never forget that. Someone says, Well, what does what do my words have to do with all this? Your words will either release the ministry of angels or bind the ministry of angels on this earth. And I'll show that to you right here. To keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Obviously, it was God's intention to get him in there, wasn't it? And didn't he tell him that? Yes. Beware of him. Beware of who? Beware of the angel. Did he say beware of the giants? Did he say focus and concentrate on the, the, the giants? of Anak that will be in the land? Did he say, look at the high tides and how big they are? And how strong they are? He didn't say that. He said, beware of the angel. Can you see the angel? No. You can't see that angel with your natural eye. He was telling them what to focus on. Things not seen, but yet very real. Can you see that? Beware of him. Provoke him not. How can you provoke someone that you don't see? I'm going to stop right here and say this. You know, sometimes people ask God to get them jobs and then they provoke their angel who's going out there looking for you with the words of their mouths. It's true. And in many cases and in instances, angels are bringing deliverance to people and yet they provoke their angels by the words of their mouth and the angel just stops right there and says, I can't help them. Provoke him not. Don't upset your angel that's going before you. For he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Notice their enemies were there in the land. 
to keep them out of the land. But God said, I will be an enemy to your enemy. Can you see how they were not looking at God? When God just said, I'll be an enemy to your enemy, they saw the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the, 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 the giants of Anak there, and that's all they saw. That's all they focused on. They could not see that God said, I will be an enemy to your enemy. But Caleb did. Joshua did. What they say, we're well able to take the land. God's with us. What did the rest say? Uh, we're, we're weak. They're strong. We're small. They're big. We can't do it. We can't do it. Wait a minute. They're looking at the wrong thing. God said He'd be an enemy to their enemies, an adversary to their adversaries. Now listen to this. Here's how it's going to happen, guys. My angel shall go before you, in verse 23, and bring thee in unto the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the Devilites, and Demonites. And I, oh, I like that. Who's I? God. I will cut them off. See, my angel will go, and I will cut them off. You will not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send... Now listen to this. I will send my fear before you. Do you remember when Rahab the harlot went in after Joshua became the leader of the Israelites? And Rahab the harlot was there. And they went in. The spies went in. The second time to spy out the land. And she said to the men, What has taken you so long to get her here? The moment we heard that God, your God, delivered you out of Egypt, our hearts melted within us. Everyone's courage left. And there was no one that had any strength to fight. They conceded the land. Already, didn't they? Why? They had fear. In other words, God sent His fear before them. So the giants were afraid of the Israelites, and the Israelites were afraid of the giants. But the Israelites said, we can't do it. They're too big. They're over there crying, well, God gave them the land, we concede. But the Israelites are saying, we can't do it. They're too big. They weren't looking at this, were they? I'll send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. Wow. Amen. And I will make all thy enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. Now, God just told them that they would do that, that he would do that. But they weren't looking at that, were they? Now, go on to the 33rd chapter of Exodus. I want to show you what they were developed in. You know they got impatient. You know when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, that they all persuaded Aaron to make a calf that they bowed down and worship. Because they said, well, look, he's been gone for such a long time. How do we know he's going to take us into this promised land? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, they murmured, they complained, they complained, they murmured. They spewed out words of unbelief. I'll tell you what, they provoked God. Not only did they provoke the angel, they provoked God. Okay? And you know, after they had uh, still disobeyed God and they bowed down to a false image, Moses came down from the mountain. You know the story. He, bro he broke the tablets of stone. 
He was so upset with them. And finally, God says, look, I'm, I'm just going to destroy them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. But Moses interceded as he always did. He bailed them out once again through intercessory prayer. And God said, okay, all right, I'll forgive them. But I'm going to tell you something, they're a stiff-necked people. Didn't he say that about them? He says, man, they're never going to believe me. So, once again, I want you to understand something. This isn't a one-time occasion that kept them out of the promised land. It was time after time after time after time after time after time again and again and again and again. Every time God did something, they disbelieved. Every time He did something to get them to believe, they disbelieved. And every time they came across a, a difficult situation in life, they spewed out words of doubt and unbelief and wouldn't even trust that God can help them. Murmured and complained and provoked God. Okay. Now... In Exodus 33, let's, let's, I'll tell you what. All right, let's start at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the king. Notice how God doesn't change. Time and time again, he still says, I'll send an angel before thee. I'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. But now here's one thing he does say. I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. You think God's getting hot under the collar? You think he's getting upset with these people? But yet for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... He still holds true to his promise, doesn't he? Well, they still doubted him when they finally got to the promised land and were about to enter into the full blessings of the covenant. I'm just going to summarize it because it would take too long, but read it. These people could never be developed in faith. They refuse to be developed in faith. They refuse to get their eyes off of what they could see. Every single day they were consumed by circumstances. And every mohill was a mountain. Every little problem was humongous in their sight. They complained and complained and complained. And the reason why they complain is because they just could not see the unseen. They could not relate to their God. They did not know how. Now, beloved, out of all those people, why is it that Joshua and Caleb could? Why is it men like David could? They were more focused. They took the time to acquaint themselves with God. They took the time to more or less take a step back from the natural world and begin to view the spiritual world. They began to listen to the words of God. I will send an angel before you. He will go. Don't provoke him. Don't provoke him. Listen to what he has to say. Be obedient. Don't speak out evil words to provoke him. He'll fight for you. See, they were consumed with that. Joshua and Caleb believed in the integrity of the Word of God. If God said He would do it, He will do it. And if God said, I'll make it good, He'll make it good. And so they 
just chose to believe that what God said He would do, He would do. There's a verse somewhere in Jeremiah, somewhere around verse 12. It says, I watch over my word to perform it, to make it good, to bring it to pass. Isn't that what God said? See, men like that just chose to believe that. They chose to humble themselves, not believe in their own strength and not believe in their own inability, but just to remain totally neutral as far as that goes and say, I'm going to side with God. I'm going to speak words of faith. I believe in the living God. He is on my side. But they could not develop in that, beloved. They just could not see God. They couldn't see Him at work. They couldn't see Him being faithful to His Word. They couldn't see an angel right there, right there, going before them to drive out the inhabitants, even though God said the angel would do it. So the words they spoke did what? It absolutely prevented the angel from doing what God commissioned him to do. And as a result, their words shut down the ministry of angels and they didn't get into the promised land. Now, I want us to go back to Numbers because here is a very important aspect of this teaching that we still did not bring out. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, I want to read... Verse 27 again and 28. To the ones that said we can't do it, they're bigger than we are, they're too strong for us, here's what God said. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? What is murmuring? Spewing out words of unbelief or distrust, saying something opposite than what God said. They murmured against me. We can't do it. We're unable. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Not Moses, not Aaron, against me. Saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Notice, they're going to have what they said. You will have whatsoever you say. Okay? And that's exactly what they got. Now go on down to verse 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made, and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up an evil slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. I guess you could say the leading murmurers all died before the Lord. Couldn't you say that way? Mm-hmm. But see, Joshua and Caleb... They lived and went in, of course, later on to experience the full blessings of God. Well, in verse 39, I want us to continue this. And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Now, beloved, an estimated two million people were with, the, were with them at this time. In a 40-year period... I guess if our calculations are correct here, at least 144 died a day. 
every day. Can you imagine doing all those funerals in one day? Can you imagine viewing all those deaths in one day? Can you imagine where are you going to put the bodies? I want you to know for 40 years in the wilderness, they had something to continuously remind them of how they spoke out words against God. Those who were 20 years old and younger, the ones that continued to live, they had a personal experience in learning what not to say with their mouths before God. And isn't it amazing that those were the ones that walked around the walls of Jericho and didn't say a word? (laughs) Can we say that again? Those 20-year-olds and younger saw all their family members die in the wilderness over a period of 40 years. They were told that they couldn't get into the promised land because they spewed out unbelief in the ears of God. Their leaders that got the people to murmur against God died before the plague. And so, over a 40-year period, they watched all these people die. And believe me, God was getting inside their hearts. Don't speak doubt and unbelief. Under the leadership of Joshua, they were told to go and once again to capture the land, take the land. When they got to the walls of Jericho, they were told... Walk around those walls and don't utter a sound. These are fortified walls that withstood the best army and armies of the day. Fortified walls that no man, that no weapon would penetrate. And they were told to go right there before the enemy and walk around their walls. And don't say a word. Oh, they were taught not to say a word. Can you imagine what they would have been saying if, it, if they were these folks walking around those walls? Dear God in heaven, what have you brought us out here for to do now? We're going to walk around these walls. They're going to spear us. They're going to kill us. We're going to die right there. What is the matter? Let's go back to Egypt. Can you imagine what they would have spewed out? But these said not a word. Uh Uh-uh. It doesn't matter how strong the walls are. It doesn't matter how big the enemy is. It doesn't matter how fortified the place is. God said, walk around them and shut up. We'll walk around them and won't say a word. You talk about the test. You talk about proving themselves to God. Did not say a word until it was time to shout. Boy, I'm going to say something you need to hear. If you hold back the doubt, if you hold back the unbelief, and if you won't say a word along that line, your day of shouting is going to come. Did you hear that? Your day of shouting is going to come. Don't speak out the doubt. You say, but it's hard. Don't speak it out. It was hard for them. How do you think they felt? Defenseless. We're walking around the wall with ram's horns. They got bow and arrow. They they got all kinds of things. You know, all kinds of... uh, equipment to to kill us with and there they are you know walking around with nothing but they had God so they just refused to to look at the situation in hand and they refused to speak out doubt and unbelief until it was time to shout and they shouted beloved and those walls came tumbling down okay now let's, let's go on here 
They were upset now. They mourned greatly because we didn't do what God said to do and now we didn't get the promised land and now our leaders are dead. And so they figured, well, we better do something about this. Look at verse 40. And they rose up early in the morning and get them up into the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and will go up unto the place which the Lord had promised, for we have sinned. In other words, well, we better do it. We better do it. God said do it, now we better do it. We blew it, we sinned, we did wrong, and now we better go and do it. Look at the next verse. And Moses said, Wherefore, now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. I mean, for the likes of it, beloved, I cannot understand these people. When God was with them, they were afraid to do it. Now the presence of the Lord departs. The Ark of the Covenant will not go with them. And now they've got courage to go do it. They're just told they're going to die if they go. And now they go do it. They were told if they would have gone before, God would have fought for them and they would have won, right? And they wouldn't go. Now, we better do it. Let's read on. Now, Moses says, don't go. Why? Verse 43, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword. Because you are turned away from the Lord, therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presume to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. They were killed by the enemy. I mean, can, can you even reason this out in your mind? What would cause them now to go and fight when the Lord wasn't with them? They just couldn't believe God. They couldn't obey God if they tried. Can you see that? Because they weren't developed in obeying God. God just said, now don't do it, and they went and did it anyhow. In other words, they always disobeyed God. That's just how they work. Can you see that? They just disobeyed God. No matter what He said, they did the opposite. If they said, don't say it, they said it. If they said, say it, they didn't say it. If he said go, they didn't go. If he said don't go, they went. That's how they were. Of course, we're not like that. None of you are like that. Uh, the point is, you want God to be in what you're doing. Okay? Always be open to the Spirit of God. Now, if we'll continue to say the right thing, then, beloved, the angels will work on our behalf. And before I say any more about that, I do want to say this. What are you saying about your life today? Because what you say today is what you're going to reap tomorrow. And what we are having today is a product of what we've been saying yesterday. What do you really believe in? Ask yourself the question. Do you believe in the right thing or do you have faith in the wrong thing? You know you can have faith in the wrong thing. We all can have faith in the wrong thing. I just can't do it. And you firmly believe you can't do it. You know, you can listen to people talk and they'll say, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. No, I just cannot do it. There's no possible way I can get my life back in order. There's no possible way I'm going to see it myself through. There's no possible way I'm going to find a job. I mean, there's no job to be had. There's no job to be found. 
Let me say something about that. Oh, a few years ago when we were down there in Midland, we lived through the experience of the, the mill being shut down, crucible still at that particular time. And we were in the process of growing in the church. When all of a sudden, you know, economic problems and hardships hit the community. A lot of people were put out of their jobs and that sort of thing. But you know what? The church continued to grow and the people of the church that were speaking the Word of God continued to find jobs. And God blessed the people regardless of the economy. Why is that? Well, what are you looking at? Is your God bigger than the economy? I firmly believe this. God will make a job for you if you have faith to believe it. Say it. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And God will see to it. And there were those at that particular time who thought, what else can I do with my life? I've been in a mill for so many years. What else can I possibly do? And now they're shouting because they're out of that place. And they're doing another job and God's blessing them and all that. In some cases, you know, we don't even launch out until something like that happens. But when, you know, you're forced to face something like that, and then you've got to reach, you know, deep within and, and, and draw from all the energies of your being and start believing God and putting what you believe out there to work for you. And people who did that, God blessed them. There were those who said, well, I just won't find anything around here. And they, of course, they moved away. But I really believe this. I believe that God would do whatever according unto your faith. So be it unto you. Amen. What are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about your life? And it's important to to really evaluate that, beloved, because what you're saying today, you're going to have tomorrow. And that is true for all of us. What are you saying about your health? What are you saying about your emotional state? You know, we've got to start talking the Word of God and continue speaking the Word of God and saying what God says about us. Praise God, are you saying that you're the head and not the tail? Are you saying that you're above and not beneath? Are you saying you're blessed coming in and going out in the city and field and basket and store? Are you saying that God is an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary? And when a problem comes your way or a trouble tries to hit you, you stand there and say, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And my God will put me over today and make me a success because he always makes me a success. I'm more than a conqueror. And if God be for me, who could be against me? Are you saying that? Are you saying I'm a king and a priest of the Most High God? Are you saying that name that's above every name is the name that I use to walk in life successfully? Are you saying this is the victory that overcometh the world, even my faith? Are you saying your body functions in the perfection that God created it to function in? From the top of your head to the soles of your feet and every vital organ in between. Your muscles, your tissues and cells of your body, praise God, have no chance but to respond to the life of God that's in my being. Are you saying that? Are you saying that God that raised up Jesus from the dead by His Spirit, that same Spirit is quickening my mortal body even now? Hallelujah. Are you saying that? I know you are. Glory to God. See? Well, when you start speaking like that, you know your angels get out there to work for you. Your angels get out there to work for you. Right over here, the angels were going to work for them, but then they went on strike. They went on strike. They provoked them and they went on strike. You know you can get your angels to go on strike. I want to show you something. Look at us, 103rd Psalm. Psalm 103. You know the first part of it? Oh, it's a beautiful psalm. It says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is with me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not one of His benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, redeems my life from destruction, kindness, love, and kindness, and tender mercies, and satisfies my mouth. With good things that my youth is renewed like the eagles. 
Amen? Isn't that what it says? Yep. Is your youth being renewed like the eagles? Yep. Say it with me, my youth, my youth. is renewed yes. like the eagles because my mouth is filled with good things. Hallelujah. That's how you get God to work for you. By speaking the Word. Now look, notice this. Notice this over here. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength. You think they're strong? You think your angel is strong? I'll tell you, Michael and Gabriel, they make a pretty dynamic duo. Did you know that? I mean, old Gabriel and Michael, they're a good team. Remember over there, Daniel was praying, and the Bible says that an angel was sent for his words. And as the angel went, you know, to to bring the message, Gabriel was the messenger angel. Gabriel went, you know, to give a message to Daniel. What happened? He was intercepted by the forces of darkness, and they began to contest him and try to prevent him from going to Daniel and give Daniel the message. And the Bible says, Michael, the chief angel, praise God, Michael came along. I bet you Gabriel was happy about that. Michael came along and fought with all those demon powers, and Gabriel came and gave the message. Read it in Daniel chapter 10. It's there. Listen to this. They excel in strength. They do His commandments. And they hearken to the voice of His Word. Well, where is His Word? His Word's right here. Now, this is a microphone, right? And it amplifies my voice so that you can all hear it out there, right? And you agree with me that this is the Word of God? Well, I want you to listen to it. Can you hear, can you hear anything? No. Did you make that out? No. This is the Word of God, isn't it? Yes, it is. But you can't hear anything. No. Who gives voice to the Word of God? I said, who gives voice to the Word of God? Who does? Yes. You give voice to the Word of God, and angels hearken to the voice of that Word. Amen. Did you hear that? Yes. Now, you should be getting excited out there because you can get Michael to work for you. You can get old Gabriel to blow his horn. Sound off a message. Get another team of angels to work on your behalf. See, your angel will go before you. Your angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for you because you're an heir of salvation. How do you put them to work with your words? You're close by. Look at Ecclesiastes. Chapter 5. Verse 1. Do you find that? It's right after uh, Proverbs there. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. What's the sacrifice of a fool? For they consider not that they do evil. Uh Uh-oh. Well, what evil do they do? We just read about a whole lot of evil. Didn't we? They were speaking wrong things. And it was called an evil report. Look at what it says in verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You're upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be plentiful. No, let thy words be few. 
For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not your mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Whew. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an heir. Wherefore, God, should God be angry at thy voice or your words and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. I'm going to stop this thing right here and say this. You can turn your life around with your words. Everybody at the sound of my voice, please listen carefully. You'd like to shout this on the mountaintop. There is a miracle in your mouth. You can turn your life around with words. You can get angels involved in your affairs. Boy, I'm, I'm going to say this. Please don't pick up any stones. Well, that's okay. If you do, then the glory of God will fall. <laughs> Amen. Listen carefully. If our words can unleash angels, then our words can unleash demons. Many are surrounded by demon powers because of their words. Those demons are controlling their lives... Because of their words. As a matter of fact, demon powers are out there right now wearing down the saints of God with words. Do you know that? And those that are listening and speaking those words are oppressed and will remain that way until they begin to speak right things. You don't know how pleased God is when His children begin to speak right things. God wants His people to speak right things. Because when we speak right things, we unleash His power and ability. When we speak right things, angels get involved in our affairs. When we speak right things, the Holy Ghost has something to work with in our, mouth, in our lives. When our mouths proclaim the Word of God, God is busy running to and fro throughout the whole earth to see to it. He watches over that word to perform it and to make it good. You remember the story of Zacharias and Mary? And how Zacharias was told that his wife would become pregnant and have John the Baptist? And how Zacharias did not believe the word of the angel and he spoke out and spewed out words of doubt and unbelief? And as a result of his unbelief, he was overcome in his mouth and was unable to speak. He was then dumbfounded. He couldn't speak because God didn't want his doubt and unbelief to interfere with his program. Remember that story? But then when Mary was told by the angel, Gabriel spoke and told to her, the messenger said this, that you're going to conceive and the child that will be in thy womb shall be called the Son of the Most High, Emmanuel, God who is with us. Remember all that? And what did she say? She said, Be it unto me according unto thy word. Was she looking at biological laws? Was she looking at natural circumstances? Not at all. She chose to side with the Word of God, even though circumstances dictated it's impossible for that to come to pass. Amen. Oh, beloved, how do we get to that place where we believe in the integrity of God that way? 
God wants us to start practicing right now by speaking out right things. He delights in His people when they speak out right things. And that's what He wants us to do, beloved. He wants us to speak out right things so that He can watch over His Word and make it good in our lives. Well, every single one of us can change our circumstances with our words. But do we believe in our words? We just saw in the Word of God that we can have what we say. We saw that it works, works positively and negatively. Can I say it to you like this? You're getting what you say anyhow, and so am I right now. If it's negative, we're getting it. If it's positive, we're getting it. So we might as well just take all the negative and forget about it and get on the side of the positive and speak out God's Word so that we can get something good. Let our lips speak right things so that we can have right things in the sight of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You can change things in your life. You'll change everything about it. There's a miracle in your mouth. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.